and amen. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, as we continue working through the book of Ephesians. Last week we looked at verses 11, 12, and 13. Today we're going to expand on that in verses 11 through 16. And so as you're turning there, I trust as we have prayed that God's Spirit would teach us as His Word is proclaimed. And you'll notice that if you're looking at your outline, the title today is The Healthy Church. The Healthy Church. In other words, what does a healthy church look like? And we saw leaders in the church from last week. And today we want to understand the incorporation of why God would call leaders among His people. And it all has to do with health. Now, most of us in our culture, we have this obsession with health. Unfortunately, it's not spiritual health. It's physical health. And when I think of the word health, and perhaps this crosses your mind as well, you think of fitness centers and gym memberships and supplements and diets and exercise and eating right And all that seems to play into that understanding. But if you've lived anywhere near as long as I have, you've also noticed how all of those in relation to health and in regards to their youth, use and direction has changed over the years. Any of you lived long enough to remember when eggs were good for you and then eggs were bad for you? And then depending on which eating plan you're doing now, eggs are what you're supposed to eat a lot. I mean, what's a person to do? How do we know what's most healthy for us? And I do not stand here today before you as a health expert, okay? Today's sermon is not on how you should physically eat or physically exercise or anything else regarded to physical health. I believe the scripture is clear about the health we should have as the people of God. And so I'm not going to tell you how you should or shouldn't eat or how you should or shouldn't exercise. Now, it is great that science and technology has advanced in regards to knowing about health and how it can be applied. But I'm certain of this, what church health looks like has never changed. It's never changed. What we're getting ready to read was written 2,000 years ago. And that's the great thing about truth, is it's applicable today, 2,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, or if Christ tarries 2,000 years from now. God's truth will not change. And so let's look at what church health should look like. And in looking at it, I trust that God's Spirit would diagnose our hearts and direct us in regards to what His Word spells out. And I've just got to get this out of the way because it staggered me while I was researching. And this type of research is usually about on an 18 to 36 month lag because of collecting the data. But almost 26 billion 
billion, with a B, was spent in regards to just the health industry, what's labeled as the health industry in the United States. That does not include the 64 billion, with a B, that's spent in what's known as the weight loss industry. Oh, that we were that invested into our spiritual health. Oh, that we would value and spend whatever was required for us to be growing as healthy brothers and sisters in Christ. Would it be fair to say what's evident pales in comparison to the $90 billion I just mentioned in the weight loss and health industry? Again, don't get tripped up. Today's message is not a message of how you should physically live, how you should eat and how you should exercise. But oh, that we would be so committed in our spiritual life. For Christians, our text deals with this specifically and what health looks like in the church and how it's to be maintained and even how we can improve in our spiritual health. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And he gave some as apostles. Talking about Christ's gift to the church, as was mentioned in verse 7. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming, but speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Father, we're grateful. We're grateful for the truth of your word, for the salvation that comes in Christ. But God, I pray, I pray today that the application of that salvation would be clearly seen through your word. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. So science and medicine has made clear these health directives and goals. And even though, as we mentioned a few moments ago, they do change, those benefits, we would have to assume, are good for us. So that as we grow in our understanding, we know better how to, to physically deal with the challenges in our body. But we as Christians should take comfort that the truth of God doesn't change, never changes, and God's goals, directions are always the same. We don't need to wait for something to come along that would change in regards to God's Word. And it's hard to get away from this 
illustration because of the mention specifically of the body. And the word there just means the physical body. And the Apostle Paul uses it in Ephesians. He uses it in Romans. He uses it in Corinthians. The analogies are pretty incredible in understanding what he's talking about. But I want to begin in verse 14. Because verse 14 really steers the direction of this particular text. And it begins like this. As a result. As a result. Well, doesn't that beg the question, as a result of what? As a result. Because it's right in the center of this text, and it's giving us direction, or it's explaining itself in regards to the parts of the body, and what the parts of the body are to be about. I don't know if you've ever hired a physical trainer or someone to give you instruction when you're trying to do exercise. I would be afraid to do that because knowing my body, I fear they would quit and never return to that industry again. But as a result of what? Well, the result is how the parts of the body function properly. And we talked about it last week briefly in verses 11 and 12, the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and teachers, those are parts that Christ placed in his body. And in the first century, they were certainly entirely applicable. And while we won't spend time today from biblical, historical, and traditional understandings, we see that the apostles and the prophets, as spoken of specifically here, are not in existence any longer today. And they were like the evangelists, kind of in an itinerant ministry. You can see it in readings from some of the other apostles who wrote New Testament epistles in regards to setting out the kind of guidelines they were to have if someone was to come to their church body. There's an extra biblical book that's recorded very early in the second century called the Didache. And that was what the church used to lay out guidelines of, hey, if somebody comes into your church saying something, make sure it follows all this. And it lines up with Scripture. But we see as the church grow, again again from a historical and a traditional application, that it's the pastors and teachers who are predominantly at work in the local body. And these pastors and teachers of whom Christ is placed within His body are kind of like that exercise. So we're going to stick with the physical analogy of the body. Because if you exercise and you end up with some pain somewhere, and you go to a medical professional, or maybe that physical trainer, they might be able to point out, hey, you're not lifting properly, or you're not stretching properly, or you're not doing this the way it's supposed to be done. Have you ever walked into a health club and seen all these different crazy machines? And you're thinking to myself, those look painful and I'm not even on them yet. (laughs) I'm glad some of you relate to health clubs the same way I do. But the idea is you've got to learn how to use them properly. And so Christ has given these gifts of pastors and teachers, their roles within the body, 
that are to teach and to lead. And we see specifically what the teaching and the leadership is for in verse 12. The equipping of the saints for the work of service. That doesn't mean pastors and teachers are any better than anybody else in the body. It's just they have a different role. And for them to be carrying out their role, because as we mentioned last week, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, all deals with the proclamation of God's word. That's what all of those roles were to be fulfilled by, by proclaiming God's word. And so in the proclamation of God's word, we need to be certain that as the body, we're doing and exercising, if you will, and following in the obedience of how the scripture tells us where to operate. Now, again, if you're like me, you go exercise, and then you're sore the next day, and you're thinking, man, I don't want to do that. But you know what the solution to that soreness is? Say it. Continue to exercise. So once you find out you're doing something wrong, make sure you start doing that stretch or that exercise or that lift correctly. But it's so contrary to my thinking that, hey, if this is going to hurt me, why in the world would I continue to do it? Welcome to sanctification. (laughs) Sanctification is God exercising out of you that sin life that you're so used to that it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt. And so that hurt is going to lead to growth and service and the work that's talked about here. And the extreme opposite is just as bad. What happens if you did absolutely no exercise? There's a word for it. Begins with A and ends with trophy. Atrophy. Yes. You're quick, Steve. You're quick. Yeah. Atrophy sets in. And if you know anything about atrophy, maybe you've had a leg or an arm that's been put in a cast, and so it immobilizes those muscles, what do they look like when that cast gets taken off? I mean, they literally have shrunk from lack of use. And then again, there's the overuse. Have you ever seen a professional tennis player? Notice the difference in their two arms. Their predominant arm is like three times bigger than their off arm. It's not that they don't use it or they don't exercise it, but they so use whatever their predominant arm is. I mean, you know, they got Popeye here and olive oil here, you know. I mean, that's, that's, that's the way it appears. And so we don't want to be imbalanced either. And spiritually, there are so many parallels. And so we want to be careful that we don't get injured, that we don't get burned out, that we're not mistakenly overusing or overdoing in regards to what God would call a healthy church, or in other words, what God intends, and how we're to be involved in the body of Christ. So, let's get back to the passage. Look at the last part of verse 14. As a result, we're to no longer be children. Well, he's already talked about the maturing and the growing up, we're to no longer be children, tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Again, the Apostle Paul dealt with this, especially in the Galatian church. 
you see where he warns them very seriously. Hey, don't just let anyone come in and start teaching. Don't let anyone just come in and start telling you what goes along with the gospel. We've got to be so careful that in our equipping, which is our being prepared, our being taught, that then we are in response serving. But the serving is going to come as a result of the equipping, at least the way it's laid out right here. Those leaders in the church that are proclaiming the word and then those of us, the rest of us in the body, all of us in the body who are, as it were, exercising the word. In other words, living in faithful obedience to the word. Doing that which the scripture directs us to do. See, your equipping and your service, our equipping and our service is what builds the body of Christ. And it'll bring great affirmation of not only God at work, but it'll be an encouragement to those of us who are in Christ. I've heard it said that if you're going to get into a workout routine, find somebody who can hold you accountable. I've never found someone who can hold me accountable. And you know why. (laughs) I don't have a workout routine. But that's part of the body all working together. And the result is the building up of the body of Christ by what Christ has instituted in the body. So we need to be in this equipping process, constantly equipping and constantly serving. And I hesitate to do it, but I think the illustration is obvious. When I was a ninth grader, when I was a freshman in high school, Our high school was big enough that we had a freshman basketball team, a JV basketball team, and a varsity basketball team. What I didn't know until after the season, and and they steered all the ninth graders to the ninth grade basketball team, unless you were like really a standout, you know, then maybe you'd play on the junior varsity. But I didn't realize at that point that basketball was not my future. What I also didn't realize was they didn't cut anyone from the freshman team. You know, the JV team, they only kept a certain amount of players, and the varsity team, they only kept a certain amount of players. So if you got cut from one of those teams and you weren't a ninth grader, you didn't have anywhere to play basketball at school. They didn't cut any ninth graders in their attempt to develop basketball players. One clear realization I had at the end of my ninth grade basketball season was this. I had the best seat in the house. No one was closer to the game action than I was. And I saw it all firsthand. Emphasis, saw it all firsthand. And I understand. I wasn't as tall as I am now. My ability was limited. I'm trying to be honest with you. I couldn't jump, except when my mom said supper was ready. I mean, so all of those things kind of play into, oh, that's why I didn't get into any game action when I was on the freshman team. Let me tell you something about the body of Christ. When you're included in the body of Christ... 
There's something for everyone. That's not the emphasis here. That's the emphasis Paul makes in Romans and in 1 Corinthians. But he does use the body illustration here to help us to understand all of us are a part of the body. And there are roles, like he talked about in the leading and teaching role. And in those roles, the rest of the body follows in its maturing and in its growing and in its service. See, unfortunately, in the body of Christ, some of us want to be the marathon runners, but we want to look like the weightlifters. You know what I mean? Um, Those two don't go together. (laughs) But they have specific functions, and they have specific places, and they have specific roles. In fact, I read an article on exercise physiology. (laughs) You're wondering why? Just to get some research for what I'm getting ready to say. There are different muscle fiber types. And those different fiber types of muscles can even differ between individuals. I'm reading this from the experts. And they can also differ between muscles and muscle groups. Now, I know this is an unscientific conclusion. I didn't have any of the basketball muscles in regards to my time in school. But we oftentimes don't realize within the body of Christ there is a place for us to be equipped, to learn, to serve, to grow, and to mature. So don't be discouraged. As much as I enjoy basketball today, I'm not discouraged that I didn't have a basketball career. I mean, it became evident that that just wasn't the path for me. But I want to be careful that we, as, uh, as those who are in the body of Christ, don't ever fall into this attitude of, I just don't fit in. Because that's going to be the deceit that the Apostle Paul is talking about in the rest of verse 14. Let me remind you what he says. We're no longer to be children. Paraphrase, grow up in Christ. We're no longer to be tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine. Be solid in what you're being taught according to the word of God. Why do people fall? Foundational issues. The foundational issues in your life, especially in your life in Christ, have to be based upon the word of God. And so I challenge you that you not be deceived. If I could summarize verse 14, that's what the Apostle Paul is saying. Don't be deceived. Don't think there's not a place for you in the body of Christ. And beyond that, make certain that you're not deceived in regards to what the foundation is of being in Christ. And it's in His Word. And so the first prescription I want to give to you is truth. Truth... God's truth, biblical truth, is that which will keep you from being deceived and led astray. Do not raise your hand, but I am certain in a room this size, all of us can think of people who have left the church. They at one time claimed to be Christian and claimed to have a strong faith relationship with God through Jesus Christ. 
And now they're as far away as can ever be imagined. At some point they were deceived. At some point they were carried away. At some point they were tossed to and fro. And that's why the Apostle Paul says, don't be deceived. And that brings it back to the importance of being in the body and being under the truth of God's word being proclaimed on a regular basis. So that foundation is being built. And so that deceit and every wind that blows and every latest thing that comes down the road is not knocking us off of our foundation in Christ. And the great thing about this foundation in Christ is the steadfast assurance, peace, and comfort that we can draw. In regards to this passage, F.F. Bruce writes, the closer we keep to Christ, the more we will enjoy certainty. In fact, I would challenge you to think back in your life when difficulties came. Did you step away from the church? Or had you stepped away from the church and all of a sudden doubts and influences from other sources started impacting you? Folks, like he said, like Bruce said, the closer we keep to Christ, the more we're going to enjoy certainty. And that certainty is in the truth of God's word. And that truth frees you to equip and to serve based on verses four through seven. All those ones that he listed, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one hope, one God and father of us all. Those are the truths upon which the teaching must be based. That's the truth of God in Christ. And it's very interesting as we continue through our passage of not being deceived. I want you to note in verse 15. Because there's not an English translation that really literally translates the first part of verse 15. Because we in our language don't have words that capture what's being said in the original language. And if it was to be translated literally in English... The first part of verse 15 that says, speaking the truth in love, should literally in English say, be doing the truth in love, be living the truth in love, be about the truth in love. But see, that wouldn't make sense as a translation into English. And although it does have a connotation of speaking, it's not just saying words, It's words that proclaim what our entire life should be about. And so I would challenge you as you look at that passage. So if we're not to be deceived and our deception is going to be avoided by hearing and being under the teaching of Christ with the goal of maturing to the fullness of Christ, as the apostle has already stated, then we should be living, doing, and being the truth in love. And the greatest illustration I could come up with was kind of a negative one. Because you've had people in your life who have said to you, I want to speak this truth to you in love. When there was nothing about the rest of their life that exhibited love. So the word in the original language doesn't mean just to speak or just to talk. It's the package deal. And how much easier is it to hear from someone who you know who truly loves you that when they do say something, it's much easier to accept. That's the idea 
of what's being expressed here. John Stott writes this about this phrase in the original language and its literal Greek meaning. The verb makes no specific reference to speech, but literally it means truthing in love and includes the notion of living and doing the truth. But see, there again in English, it wouldn't make sense to say, but truth in love. But you should be truthing in love. And that truthing is that idea of a fully encompassed life based upon the teaching of God's word in the foundation of his word so that our lives live, are lived in such a way that we're not carried about by deceit or by the latest wind that blows. And I love the application that John Stott makes here. He writes, truth becomes hard if it's not softened by love. But love becomes soft if it's not strengthened by truth. Truth and love work together. As Christians, we have the spirit of truth. And the first fruit of the Holy Spirit is love. See, that's where we're going to see the health of the body of Christ. We're going to see the health of the body of Christ as we truth in love. As we are truthing in love. That's going to grow us. That's going to build us. That's going to mature us. That's going to bring us into the fullness of Christ. All of which the Apostle Paul described prior to this verse. And that's where we'll see the health and the maturing. And the best way to keep us from being tossed here and there whenever something just comes down the road. Now let me make something clear. You can't control the waves, but you can be steadfast in the one who does. Our unity in Christ will display our health in a relation to not only our equipping and teaching, but our serving and our relating to one another in the church. I saw, as I was watching a football game, I wasn't out exercising, I was watching a football game, and I saw a commercial the other day that advertised the newest exercise machine that will tone, trim, and whip you into shape in just 14 minutes a day. And of course, the tagline, anyone can spare 14 minutes a day. Let me tell you something, that machine does you nothing if you don't use it. So why would we think otherwise about the truth of Christ and the body of Christ being equipped by those who Christ has set apart to teach us so that we're growing and maturing together in Christ? That's all of us unified in Christ by His truth for His church. And that's really the walking worthy that the Apostle Paul began chapter 4 with. That we're to grow up into all aspects, into him who is the head, even Christ. In other words, we're to keep growing. We're to keep being equipped. We're to continue serving and working in the church. And I'll close with one more physical analogy. Not all parts are used equally. I mean, just look at the physical body. If I don't get on my feet, I can guarantee you I'll never be a marathon runner. Let me give you one more guarantee. 
I'll never be a marathon runner. But my body still works. My body still moves. It still has function. And so I challenge you, thinking about the last time you went for a checkup at your doctor's office. What's one of the first things the doctor or the nurse did when they saw you? Took your vitals, right? Well, after they said, sit down and wait over there. That's probably the first thing they did. But then eventually they took your vital signs. Okay, I know we have some medical people in here. Tell us all why they take your vitals. Yes, but it's an indication that can't be seen from the outside. They want to know what your heart's doing, what your lungs are doing, how your blood pressure's going. They want to know all that because just by standing and looking at someone, it'd be easy to say, oh, that person looks okay. See, the understanding is that in the church, it's not the external that's near as important as the internal. Because it's that internal, that internal life based upon the truth of God's word that's going, to be, that's going to keep us from being carried away. It's the fulfillment of the roles in the church that are going to strengthen and build up the church for the work of service. It's the internals that we need to keep a close eye on. Because it's easy to hear someone's Christian radio and see someone's Christian bunker, bumper sticker and see their Christian t-shirts and think, wow, that person's happening in Christ when they may be dead on the inside. That's why the doctor takes your vitals. And I want to challenge us that as parts of this body that we understand, we don't want to just be Truth mongers, although the truth is important. We don't want to just love everyone to the point to where things become so sappy they have no backbone. But it's that idea of truth and love working together or truthing in love that our health will grow and be maintained. Joseph Dix writes an observation about the church and he says this, Healthy doesn't necessarily refer to numerical growth, increased staff positions, or even longevity. Those things are good and often the fruit of faithful service, but they're not God-promised signs of success. And so may we continue to keep a focus on the inside because God is all about the church's health, and that health is found in Christ. And the question for each of us is, where are we in the process? Are we being equipped? Are we serving? Is the body lacking somewhere? Here's the picture of health from our text. The proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. That's what our text tells us. I believe that's a great definition of the health that we've been talking about today. So your ultimate need begins with Christ. If you do not know Jesus Christ, not only are you not part of the body, you're eternally damned. (laughs) And the only thing that can be done for you is you must come to that place where God saves you 
through Jesus Christ. But if you're there already, then the challenge is that we grow and we mature. So I wonder today, if you're not in Christ, would that be your response? Or maybe you're a sin-sick Christian and you need to repent and confess. Maybe you know you're part of the body that's hurting and needs healing because of undealt with sin in your life. I would challenge you to confess that and repent of that today. And I think for each of us, it begs the question, are we continuing in our equipping and in our serving and growing into the maturity of the fullness that's in Christ? Let's pray. Father, I thank you.